Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I started something last week, which is very different for me. I've been doing this for here at the church for 27 years, and I've never done it this way. It's called expository preaching. And expository preaching or teaching is where you just take a, a passage and we're taking the book of, of James. Actually, we're not going to get through the book of James. I'm just going to be honest with you. We're, we're, we're going to be good to get through a chapter of James. The teacher in me has a very difficult, you know, it's, it's like, it's like ever been to a really beautiful river and there's all these beautiful little stones and pebbles by the river. And you're like, oh, there, that's a pretty one. And you walk in and go, oh, that's another pretty one. And they're like, oh, that's a, and you, you don't make five feet because you're picking up little pebbles. That's me here because I'll jump into this scripture and I'll go, oh, that's a good one. And I, oh, that's another good one. So we're going to talk tonight about endurance and, and wisdom and believe in God for wisdom. So book of James, expository preaching. That's why this, this, this uh, series is called A Midsummer Night's James. James 1. So, we'll start reading. And I'm more interesting than Shakespeare. Thank you very much. <laughs> James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And then we talked about this last week. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, the thing about this kind of teaching, I don't have the ability to go back and recount everything we talked about last week or we'll never get to this week. And so, uh, you know, the good news is all of our stuff is free. You can go on YouTube. You can go Facebook. You, you can go. It's all free. It won't cost you anything. And so you can get it and, and go back over it. So tonight I want to talk about James 1, 3 through 4, knowing this, the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I need to explain some of those words. Patience actually is talking here about to remain under. It's a bearing up under. It talks about endurance. It's not a passive waiting. Sometimes people talk about being patient and they're passive about it. It's like, well, I'm waiting. This is more talking about an endurance. And it talks really more about endurance dealing with situations. When the Bible uses the word patience, sometimes you'll see it, depending on your translation, sometimes they'll use the word perseverance. And perseverance is probably a better word. Perseverance, endurance. But then you'll also see the word long-suffering. Sometimes that's, and so you're like, well, what's the difference? Patience, the, the endurance, deals with situations. Maybe you're dealing with a situation on your job or in your health or in your family and you're dealing with a, a situation whereas long-suffering deals with people. It's being long-suffering uh, shows self-restraint towards people. It's long-suffering when you're driving <laughs> and someone just gets in the left lane and slows down and then the person in the other lane is not going fast either. And they vote. And it takes long suffering. <laughs> and some kindness. 
not to share with them. You say, well, you know, I, I thought that's pain. No, it, 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 really, it really is long-suffering. But the situation, and by the way, those two work hand-in-hand. Because hand. a lot of times you're dealing with a situation that also requires you dealing with people, and so you need both. You say, well, I, I don't have both. You do have. You, and, and you have that capacity. You just have to develop it. What's, what's, fun, what's funny is my wife who has driven with me for, for years now. We've been married over 40. She's been driven with me, driving with me for years. I've noticed her long-suffering and patience toward people who go slow has changed. <laughs> she used to sit there all happy, but now she's like, come on, come on, come on. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I, I, have, I have influenced you. For a, I've, been a, I've been a bad influence. But that, that endurance is, is something. So it says... Testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance is important. It's really important. It's how we run our race down here. We need endurance. It said, the Bible talks about running the race that's set before us, running with endurance the race that's set before us. When I was younger, much younger, I um, was a sprinter until I was into my teen years. And I did Junior Olympics, and I did sprints, typically um, at that point in time, this is the 100-yard dash, 220, 440. I did the dashes. I was, I was a sprinter. Now, you need to be in shape, and you need to be a good athlete, but sprinting is, is it's an explosion. It's a burst. You, you get down in the blocks. You take off. You go, and it, it's a different concept than endurance running. When I got into my teens, I got into junior high school, hit puberty, and ran up against guys who were so much faster than me, I needed to adapt. And so I remember showing up as a seventh grader on my junior high track team, and they asked me, I, I just brought my skinny little self out there, and, and they, with my squeaky voice, and they said, what do you run? And, and I said, well, I, I run the 100-yard dash, and they all laughed. They said, you see that guy over there? Well, this guy over there was like, he looked like he had to shave that morning before he came. He was a ninth grader. He was just, just muscular and all built up. He said, that's Herman Thacker. Herman Thacker last year as an eighth grader ran the 100-yard dash in about 10.2 seconds. I said, oh. I said, who runs the 220? They said, oh, it's this guy over there, Sezzi. Sezzi was this other big monster of a guy and this all, all built. And I said, well, who runs the 440? And they kept showing these guys who are like champions. I said, who runs the 880? They said, nobody. I said, well, that's my race right there. I just, <laughs> I, I, I picked that one. And so, but here's the difference. A sprint, you get down the box, you take off. You're just, you're just busting it. With an endurance race, your body will talk to you. And your mind will talk to you. What are you doing? <laughs> you, you. You want to quit. You're, you're running, and, and the, the, the 880 was really, they, you, you used to run that one, right? Yeah, you ran the 400. I've talked with, with sprinters. They say the 400 is the hardest race that you could run because it's all out for one lapper. But 880, I watched them run that. Now they run that all out. We used to call it just a, a, a race. You had to pace yourself. So I'm in, I'm in high school. I'm running. I was actually pretty decent at it. And then I got in high school. I didn't want to do track. Track has no glamour. No one shows up at my high school to, you know, maybe a few ex-girlfriends and two parents would show up at a track meet. 
and, and it's like, this is not a glamour sport, and I didn't like it. And so I would run, but, and I was still fairly fast, but there was a guy on my track team who I was faster than he was. But this brother could run all day long. He had endurance. He trained hard. We'd be all laughing and talking and joking and messing around. He'd be running laps. And he was, he was a champion because not, not so much of his speed, but because of his endurance. And the race we're in, you say, well, you know, Alan, I'm not in the ministry. I, I'm, not, I'm not in a race. <laughs> I got news for you, Sparky. You are in a race. You, God has a race that's set before each one of us. We're not all running the same race. And here's the beautiful thing is, I'm not running against you and you're not running against me and I'm not running against Joel Osteen. I run the race that's set before me. You run the race that's set before you. But God has something for you to do. And it's a race, but it requires, it's a distance race. Christianity is a distance race. Right now, I bet you, if we stop and thought about it, I bet you know people who ought to be here tonight, but they're not. And they, it's not that they couldn't get here. It's not that they don't have the means to get here. But somewhere along the lines, they were running their race for the Lord, and they dropped out. It's an endurance race. And Paul talks about this. He said, running the race that's set before you. He said, the testing of your faith produces endurance, but let endurance have its perfect work that you may be, now that word perfect and complete. Don't get caught up with perfect. That word perfect simply means mature. It takes a level of maturity to be able to run and not quit. But I'm telling you guys, that is so much of the Christian life. So much of the Christian life is just waking up in the morning and you don't feel like praising God. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like doing anything. Maybe you didn't feel like coming to church. I'm always amazed by the people who come to see me on a Wednesday night or Sunday. They go, you know, I really didn't want to come here today. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. It's like it took effort to do it, but how many of you know if you'll make the effort, there's always victory in the effort, and rarely, I hope, rarely do you ever walk out of here going, what a complete waste of my time. If we, if we worship God, if we heard His Word, if we studied His Word, you did not waste your time. Now, there's a lot of things you can waste time on. Oh, believe me, we've all wasted time. We've all done things that we've, after we finished, we went, that was a complete waste of time. But I'm telling you, if we're listening to God's word, his anointed word, if we worship him, if we come together and encourage one another, there has been no time wasted. In fact, there are eternal value on doing this. So congrats to you and to you who are watching online. Now, of course, in here, this is where all the beautiful people are. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome to join us. But this is, I'm just telling you, good looking people come on Wednesday night. So endurance is important. It involves holding on to what we believe. Here's a great verse for that. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Confidence is related to our faith. When Joy was so sick a number of years ago, well, it was about 30 years ago, and the doctors didn't give us any, any hope at all. And Joy began to trust and, and, and believe that God wanted her well. 
And she's not the only one. We have other ones in here. I can look around. I see people who've been healed of cancer and people who've been healed of conditions that the doctor said, we can't help you on. But I'm telling you, part of that is a willingness to endure and a willingness to say, I'm trusting God today. I'll be trusting God tomorrow. I'll be trusting God the next day. And even though the doctors didn't give her much hope, she's alive today with no problems at all. Because, and one of the keys was, she trusted the Lord and she didn't throw her confidence away. As a pastor, my heart just goes out when I hear people going, well, you know, I'll I'll run into them sometimes. And they'll go, hey, Alan, we used to go to your church. I hate that. (laughs) But I'll, I'll, I'll always ask them this. Did you wind up, did you find a good church? Every now and then they'll say yes. Oftentimes they'll go, well, no. And I, and I tell them, I said, we're still here. Come on back. But, but what happens is you don't want to throw away your confidence. You, you don't want to, listen, there are times and the enemy will put pressure on us to throw, why, why are you doing this? Why are you living for God? You're wasting your time. You're never wasting your time living for God. Amen. Ever. You're never, and I'm going to tell you something. And just a, just a few more years, we're going to be out. Depending on how old you are, we're going to be out. There's no one here who is still alive in 1902. There's no one here. And so life's short. You want to make it count because we're going to have a long time in eternity. But we want to be able to run the race down here. When we get to eternity, we're not going to have the, the enemies. We're not going to have the problems. We're not going to have the stuff. You go, well, I just can't wait to get there. No, but how we run here determines a lot of the rewards we get on the other side. So that's a whole other topic, and I'll, I'll keep moving. We, uh, we do have to believe something before we can endure. Psalms 27, 13 is one of my favorite verses. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. I would have, I would have, I would have given up. I would have, I would have not held on unless I believed something. See, that's one of the beautiful things about reading your Bible. One of the beautiful things about a relationship with the Lord is He gives you something to believe beyond what you're seeing. He gives you something to believe. Maybe you're looking at a situation in your family and it doesn't look good, but our relationship with the Lord, He can show you something beyond that problem. When Joy was so sick, he showed us something beyond the sickness, beyond what the doctor said. We've seen things in our family, and it looks like this is such a bad situation. But God, a relationship with him, he can give you something to believe. And you're like, you know what? I'm not losing heart because I believe. I believe. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's right here. That's not just in heaven. Listen, don't put off, don't put off God's goodness till you get to heaven. His goodness is available for us here and now. And we can see his goodness here and now. So don't cast away your confidence. Hang on to this. And I wanted, I wanted to get into this tonight, so I'm going to move ahead on this. This will be my challenge with expository preaching. There's just so much good stuff. But right here, I want to talk about faith, endurance, and wisdom. Because he said that, he said that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Then Paul goes directly in to verses 5 and 8. Remember, the the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. By the way, if you hadn't figured it out yet, James is blunt. James, they call him the Proverbs of the, of the New Testament. He's kind of blunt. He just goes right there. They'd cancel him today, but we're not going to cancel him in here. God does not want us. Now, here's some things to catch on to. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. One thing you, you want to get this. God does not want us lacking wisdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of light. And we, what do people say when they don't know what to do? They say things like, I'm just in the dark on this. I don't know. I'm in the dark. But the Bible said if you lack wisdom, God's got answers for that. So if anyone lacks wisdom, God wants us to ask him for wisdom. He said, ask him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He wants us to ask. Matthew 7, 11 said, if you being evil, this is Jesus talking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We, listen, God wants us to ask him. Now, this is where I hear people say, well, I just, I just don't know why God didn't just give it to me. You know, when I grew up, if I, if I needed something, I never had to ask my parents for anything. They just gave it to me. Okay, I got it. But here's the deal. If God says, ask, then we adapt to his ways. He does not adapt to our ways. And so maybe you were given everything. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe you're spoiled rotten because you were given everything. <laughs> but the idea is, is this, is that if God said, ask him, he said, he, if, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly father give good things? We have to understand that God's a giver. You say, well, if God's a giver, how come I don't have it? The key is receiving. He's a giver, and we have to receive. So I'm going to talk about that. It's just don't, don't, don't lose it. But first, you've got to believe that God's a giver and that he wants us to ask. Um, I, I grew up in, with parents who both had come through. Both of my parents are in heaven now. Both of them love the Lord. They're in heaven. I'll see them again. I'll be in such trouble when I get there because I'm telling all their stories now. Um, but... But one of the things about my father was he grew up, he grew up really poor, real poor. In fact, he was, his, his mom, single parent, couldn't, have, couldn't afford to feed him and his brother and sister and put him in an orphanage for a time period. And then went and got him. Those things impact you. My dad was a hard worker. He was eight years old when he started pushing an ice cream cart. Eight. Pushing an ice cream cart around the... the uh, the hills of Noonan, Georgia, selling ice cream. He put himself through Georgia Tech, which is kind of like the, the MIT of the South. Bright man, expensive school, put himself all the way through college. Very much what we would label a self-made man. And being a self-made man, his big concern for me was that I would grow up and not know how to take care of myself. And so he did not like just to give things. He liked for me to earn things. In fact, so he was not, and you know, like I said, we'll discuss this in heaven. <laughs> but he was not what I would call generous. And so the thing about it is if, if you grow up in that setting, sometimes 
You don't want to ask. I didn't like asking my dad for anything because I knew what I was going to get. I knew I was going to get that disappointed look and that thought process that, you know, when I was your age. I know, I hope y'all never say that, but, you know, when I was your age. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I know when you were my age, you were doing all. I hated to ask. And so the challenge is often how we grew up is what we bring into our relationship with God. And sometimes people are just, and so I, I recognized early on, I didn't even want to ask God for stuff. But yet the Bible said he gives good things to those who ask him. And so one of the things I have to realize is God is not across his arm going, mm, mm, mm. James said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. That means generously and without reproach. You, you know, it's, and, and maybe some of you grew up that way. Maybe you hated asking your parents for anything. You hated asking for money or hated asking something because you get the look. Or you get that, yo. In fact, I never would ask my dad for, for money. I would always come to him with a proposal <laughs> of, of work I could do to earn money. Because I hated to ask him just for money. I was going on a date one night, I'll never forget it. He reached in his pocket and gave me $10. I almost fainted. I should have kept it. But it was the last 10. But... Um, I didn't grow up with that. And if you don't grow up with that, you can also get the idea that God's not generous. That he's not a, a generous giver. Other thing is, if you haven't been able to receive well, you think God's the one that's withholding. You're quiet. If anyone lacks wisdom, one of the most frustrating things in life is not knowing what to do. What do I do about this situation? What do I do about this scenario that I'm in? I tried to start a church in my hometown. Many of you know that story. I won't go into it. But I tried to start a church in my hometown. It was not, didn't turn out well. We shut it down. And so for about a year and a half, I'm, I'm just wandering. And I didn't know what to do, and I looked around. I was in North Carolina, looked all areas, trying to find where was I supposed to start a church, and I didn't know where to start a church, and I'm so frustrated, and we're not making enough money, and I mean, we really were living on the poverty level line. And it was just such a, man, just such a difficult time. It was a depressing time for me. I understand what it's like to be in depression, and depression means there's no light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm reading my Bible one morning, and this verse comes up, and as I read it, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without being abusive. He's not going to say reviling, unkind things to you. He's generous. He said, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. So here's what I did. I just bowed my head. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your help. My family's hurting. We're in a bad situation. I need your help. I need to know what to do. And you said here in your word, this is your promise. We're not making stuff up here. This is God's promise. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives to all generously without reproach. So I said, Lord, I need wisdom. And you said, if I ask you, give it. 
Now, here's the key. I said, thank you for it. Amen. Say, well, did you know what to do? I couldn't, I couldn't write it down. But here's where endurance comes in. I ask, faith is being confident of what we expect, convinced of what we do not see. I was convinced that God heard me because I asked according to his will. And I was convinced that he gave me an answer. Whether I can write it down or not is not what I'm saying. I'm basing it on what he said. So now I'm just going, okay, thank you for the answer. Now this causes me to change some things. When someone says, Alan, I got a phone call that morning from a friend. Alan, I was just thinking about you, man, and your situation. What are you going to do? I was about to say, I don't. And I caught myself. And I said, you know what? I asked the Lord this morning for wisdom. And the Bible says, if I ask God for wisdom, he gives me wisdom. I trust I'll know what to do. Instead of going, this is believer, instead of going, praise God, brother, I'll just agree with you. He went, oh. <laughs> and hung up. <laughs> but this is where endurance. So did you know what to do the next day? No. Did you know what to do the next day? No. But he said he gave me wisdom. So what am I doing? I'm just thanking God. Thanking God for the answer. You say, but, but you can't write it down. In other words, you can't see it or feel it. Exactly. If I could see it or feel it, I wouldn't need faith for it. But now I'm just, I'm just thanking God for it. Before, before I could write it down. And that's where the fight comes in. And that's where endurance comes in. Because your head will go, you don't know. You're just as much in the dark now as you were before you prayed. I don't even know why you prayed. And you have to say, shut up, head. Not listening to you. I'm listening to what God said. And I'm thanking him. This is how we live. We live not based on everything we see and feel. We live based on what God has said. That's how we got saved. That's how we walk with him. That's how we'll go to heaven. That's how we live. And we live going, Lord, if, if, you, if you said it, I believe it. Thank you for it. And I just continue to thank God. And thank God. Two weeks later, I'm sitting in a, in a, a meeting and the church that was 40 miles away. For those of you who drive a long way to come here, I planted those seeds. And so just understand that's, that's okay. We did it at Lakewood too. But we, I was sitting in a meeting. And, a, and I'll never forget the, the, uh, the, the preacher said, you know, sometimes if you're not getting answers from the Lord, you're asking the wrong questions. And it went off in me like a, like a man, it just exploded on the inside of me. I felt like getting up and I'm not very expressive. I'm, I'm not a big amen guy. That's why I don't get on to you because I never did it. I, so I'm, I, but I, I'm, I wanted to go, oh, I, I knew. I knew. See, I kept saying, Lord, where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? Lord, where do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? And, and I finally realized, wrong question. Lord, do you want me to start a church in North Carolina? And as soon as I knew that, I went, I looked at you, I said, we're not supposed to be here. Within two months, we are headed back to Texas. I knew, I knew what to do. I knew what to do. If any man lack wisdom, that doesn't just apply to preachers. 
That applies to believers. God doesn't want you in the dark about your family, about your situation, about your job, about where to go. He does, God doesn't want his kids lacking wisdom. Do you want your kids to walk in, those of you who have kids, do you want your kids walking in going, I just don't know what to do. I just, I just don't know what to do. And you go, well, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? You don't know what to do. Isn't that a great feeling? No, as, as a parent, you try to help them figure out what to do. You want to help them. They're like, hey, you know, mama, do I marry this guy or not? Do I marry him? You go, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. <laughs> if you're a good parent, you're going to weigh in on that. How many of you know God's a better parent than we are? If we come to him and go, Lord, I don't know what to do. He says, I know what to do. I know what to do. Ask me for wisdom. And then thank me for it before you see it, before you write it down. That's where James talks about, but let him ask in faith. Nothing doubting. Next week, we'll talk about doubt. You can see why we're never going to get through the book of James. <laughs> but you can see why there's so many good things here, Amen. which is where we live. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask a question. How many of you right now are sitting here listening to me going, Alan, I am facing a situation and I need to know what to do and I do not, I have not known what to do. Just shoot your hand up. No one's looking around, but that's me. Oh my gosh, hands have gone up all over. Okay, put them down. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that this is your promise. And this is your promise that you brought out tonight and they're here tonight, not by accident. They're here by divine appointment. And so I thank you, Father, that each one of them has the ability to ask you for wisdom. And I join my faith with them that when they ask you for wisdom, they'll know what to do because you give generously and you will not reproach them or say anything. You're a generous giver. And so as they ask, trusting you to give, I thank you for the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now by your heads one more time. If you came this evening and you said, Alan, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. I don't even have a relationship with God. And I know I need one. Or maybe you're like I was. I had a relationship and I, I threw away my confidence. I walked away from God for a while. But then I came back and he took me back and he'll take you back. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If either one of those situations applies to you and you would like our prayers, you want to be in on this prayer, slip your hand up real quick and say, Alan, that's me. I've been away from God, but I want to come back or I've never received him. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you can still pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, pray this with us. You can pray it out loud if you're by yourself. If you're with others, pray it quietly. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, both here and online, whenever they're watching, wherever they are. 
Father, thank you for eternal life. Thank you for your life that comes in us. Thank you for forgiveness and restoration. Lord, thank you for all the wonderful things that you do in us, eternal things. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.